Welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart at the center of enterprise IT. This week, you have uh, Zach, Mike, and me, Lilac Senso Excuses. But we have, uh, I think we mentioned a plan to do a whole run of episodes centered on the cloud during the month of February. We've got some exciting guests uh, lined up. But we're kicking it off today with uh, some interesting results that were announced and as the financial pundits say, roiled the markets. <laughs> they really did. They really did, yeah. Yeah, there were some amazing results. Uh, so Amazon announced their Q4 uh, and therefore their annual results as well. Uh, so their annualized revenue run rate, uh, that hit $71 billion with a B. Uh, AWS, which is what many of us on this podcast mostly care about when it comes to Amazon, also did pretty well, had a 40% bump year on year and ended just shy of 18 billion. Uh, so a big chunk of uh, Amazon's profits are coming from AWS. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, a big chunk, and yeah, you got to compare it also. Microsoft last week, right? We spoke about them, 46%. So uh, not as big, but they're the giant, like just monster giant in, in the cloud space. Yeah, and Corey Quinn shared a graph that was originally, I think, from Okta, uh, comparing the cloud growth graph. And if you have it with Amazon on it, Amazon's just rampaging across the middle and everyone's around the bottom. And then you take Amazon out and you can kind of understand the differences between the other players. It just shows the scale. But we also had uh, Lydia Leong, uh, the cloud pundit herself, uh, who responded to that and pointed out uh, something which I, I actually went there to say the same thing, but Lydia, of course, got there first, uh, that here in Europe, uh, Azure is growing very aggressively. So it's by no means a one-horse race. Uh, Google are also making some moves. But uh, I think it's clear that Amazon is the one to beat for everyone else. The the chart goes into number of customers, right? And and every customer is not the same size. I, I think because of Azure's like enterprise take, yeah. they, they'll have customers who will increase spend, right? And increase spend rapidly. I, I don't know how that looks like on, on the Amazon side. Like I, I'd, I'd love to know like, okay, did, did we get more revenue from new customers or is it an, a, an ever-growing revenue base from the existing customers? I, I think to be honest, it's both, right? If you start a company, you're probably going AWS rather than, uh, than Azure and you're probably using Gmail for mail and so there's this like startup like tool set right out there that aws is is part of and potentially the others are not but i i i think over time the customers that are going to grow are, are probably going to grow bigger in in azure even though maybe they have less customers um yeah i don't know zach what do you think there i think it's time for people to look at their bills their cloud bills i mean yeah you're spending too much on aws that's what i think <laughs> Turn off those <laughs> environments, people, when you're not using them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, look, this is proof that it, there's still room to grow. I mean, this is tremendous growth, especially when you're at a cap that size. Um, you know, I, I've seen organizations and <clears throat> without naming names even work for some that they keep talking about, you know, the end or everything's coming back, coming back. I just think it's great uh, that uh, this is growing like this. But no, I think you're right, Mike. I think you touched on it on the growth startups and, and whatnot, uh, feeling that. I wonder if Outpost, you know, you look at Microsoft's growth and a lot of that is Azure Stack Hub, uh, which is on-prem Azure. I wonder if there's any type of growth with Outpost that really took off or not. I, I, just something I was thinking about. Yeah, but 
you know, like if you think of growth, like I, I don't think it's online that much. I think most of it is still in uh, the, the true cloud, right? But but I think one thing that's that's clear is like this is early. And, and why do I say it's early? Like it's month after month of 40 plus percent or quarter after quarter, I should say, of 40 percent plus gains. Even Google is now at the point where they're sharing numbers. At, I think it was 45 percent for them. Even GCP is showing 40 percent. Like there isn't a quarter where either of them have a glitch, right? It continues to be at this pace and this rate. I think, Zach, to what you said about companies should check, there are a lot of companies that are getting quite concerned about the cost and starting to relook at business cases. And was our business case right in the assumptions that it made? And I think a lot of them are rethinking some of the decisions they've made. Is it the right place? Um, But I don't think it's going to come back to on-site. I think they're going to start to compare cloud providers. And I think we'll move to a true homogeneous cloud mixture um, for a lot of companies because there are things that are more advantageous in one rather than the other. And and I would say like the the European piece, I think Europeans feel much more secure with Microsoft when it comes to privacy, to GDPR, than they would with AWS because Microsoft gets it. Microsoft's been there. Microsoft's been in the trenches with them. So, you know. I was going to say, that's ironic if you think back to Microsoft versus the EU in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a total like, because I mean, you can't make a mistake here. And yeah, there's a worry that AWS would put you maybe potentially in a bind and not understand what you want, right? There's, there's a bit. There's a bit of arrogance and greed towards AWS that people are worried about and, and not talking about so so openly, I would say. How much mm. of this do you think is the decision makers changing a little bit too, right? I mean, so we talked about all this growth. You know, if you talk to a lot of IT people themselves, they're like, hey, you know, um, I, I don't I don't like the cloud. Oh, it's not as great as people think. I mean, they're not really making the decisions. So I wonder how much of this is the decisions are just truly well into the business and, you know, the businesses are just, or, or I don't know, just, uh, I mean, obviously that is the case, but how much of that is happening and what kind of shift are we seeing here? And is this growth just a way of saying, look, you know, IT as we know it has changed. Uh, Mike, you've said this before, right? It's just time for operations to take over and, um, you know, maybe some architects to stitch it together. But I mean, I think there's got to be something there. Yeah, the new Kingmakers era is, uh, I wouldn't say it's coming to an end, but it's changing a bit. The the power is shifting a little bit back from being just in the hands of the developers. And uh, this is a preview also the conversation I expect we'll be having next week. We've got a guest on who's got some uh, some actual hard data to share, not just <laughs> opinions like we normally have on this show. And so we can uh, talk about that more then. But I do think that's that's absolutely a factor in why someone would end up on Azure versus on AWS. And there are counterexamples on both sides. But generalizing, I think you could say that the sort of company that ends up on Amazon is very developer-led. Uh, the developers started using it, and then the rest of the company followed along. And the sort of company that ends up on Azure is the one where the CIO signs the big enterprise-level agreement uh, and the developers end up following that uh, so kind of reverse order. The Microsoft clients uh, also tend to be the one-stop shop, the ones who are also in Teams. And as we've said several times, Teams is a fine experience. As long as you're all in on it, uh, it doesn't play well with others. The people who are on Amazon are the ones who are more likely to be using bits and pieces here, the Gmail and the Slack and the this, the that, the other, the Twilio, uh, and piece that together. They're comfortable piecing together that tool chain for themselves. 
The the developer first companies, or the you know we shouldn't call them developer first. The software first companies, they're they're looking for new ways to do things. So they're very much like cloud first thinking. Cloud like cloud is a solution for them uh, when they're looking at like what's you know software language, uh, software components to build on. I think when you start to look at the other companies, they're very much infrastructure operations hardware led, and those infrastructure ops hardware people they have a hard time grasping the concept of of cloud and i've seen it multiple exactly. times where they where they shun it or they make general general generalities about it and it doesn't quite translate right and and then those are like the the fa- failed cloud implementations you hear of where they start to get like crazy invoices because they haven't done it quite right like a a software led company and i think this is the change right if you're like an infra ops hardware um, kind of, if that's the mentality that's driving your company, I, I think eventually you'll be in trouble. But again, it's still early innings. You have a long time to go. Um, but there's a bit of an education game that needs to happen there too. And that hasn't happened there. Maybe they diverge, right? I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the revenue came from ad revenue from, uh, for AWS. You look at Microsoft, they're placing their bets on recurring revenue from their, their gaming acquisition. So it's be interesting to see how they diverge. And as we start to go back to the office, how does that change things? I mean, I think, you know, perhaps that could be a, a positive for Microsoft um, or not, right, with Teams. But, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. They're all because they're, they're diverging a little bit as well, right? They're, they're each going their own little path on, on revenue, but we shall see. I think Microsoft's very clear about where it's going and what it's doing. I think Amazon will just go everywhere and anywhere for, for revenue. That was your point, Dominic, yeah. right earlier. I mean, they're just so broad. Exactly. And uh, the, the advertising business is also going gangbusters, 31 billion. Uh, so bigger than all of AWS, note. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you don't think about it, right? You don't think about it. I mean, all right, the revenue is bigger than AWS. I don't know that we know the totals. Uh, but still, that's uh, very, very significant. And in fact, it's bigger than the entire newspaper industry ad revenue uh, worldwide. Uh, so just the ad revenue, newspapers also have other sources of revenue, but part of the problem they have is that ads are a big chunk of it. And Amazon on its own now equals that without even counting Google and Facebook, who have some, you know, little businesses around ads themselves. How does Amazon squeak out of this? So, you know, I mean, we're hard on, on companies like like Facebook, and we should be, right, on, on Meta or whatever. Um well, we are being. Like they they just had the biggest data, loss of any company in history. Quarter of a trillion dollars. There's your transition. <laughs> Couldn't but happen really, to a nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about Amazon, they're they're collecting an awful lot of data themselves. Oh, hell yeah. On their storefront, on everything. So, you know, I'm not saying we're giving them a free pass, but I, I don't hear that mentioned a lot. They are, they're doing their fair share as well. I mean, Alexa... In your house, uh, there's there's a lot of data they're collecting too. So. They keep very quiet about it. If you're on Facebook, uh, okay, boomer, uh, you you see the ads right there in your feeds. They, they're right there. If you're browsing the web, you see the ads and you can easily see that they came from Google. And people are, I think, just generally aware of both of those. I think most people are just not aware that Amazon even does ads. Uh, I wasn't until, I don't know, relatively recently. I know it's like, well, Amazon has an ad business and a significant one. Yeah, and in their store, there's a bit of a pay, you know, pay to play. Like the, they're like Amazon favorites or Amazon recommendations. I mean, they're not, people are going to go into reviews and read if you're, if you're, if you're looking at it. But you're right, they're combining a lot of different 
data sets and they have it all. So, you know, this is a bit of like the, like if you're an Amazon and the way they're making money and you're an AWS, you know, you always wonder what they're, they're doing. I mean, yeah, okay. They shouldn't be using your data, but you don't know what, you know, metadata they might be using. It's, it's a, it's a bit strange. And I, and you know, Zach, to your point on the voice, I think they're the ones who have like, like they've won the smart speaker battle. I, I, I like, you know, no question. No, no question. They've won. I, I think the only, the only. I mean, one... I have my HomePod minis, but I know there aren't many of us. Dozens yeah. of us. Dozens. <laughs> but, but I think, but I think you know, you shouldn't overwrite Apple because of AirPods. But I don't think they're they're they don't want to they don't want to use that first party data to sell you something. I think Apple's after no. something else, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, and Google Home hasn't made made that much inroads. I mean, okay, maybe more than than anybody else, but I, I think Amazon has it. And if they really unlock that and start listening, I mean, which, you know, who knows, they probably already are. We've probably signed the disclosure somewhere, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough and, and they own the data, right? It's not like somebody else can, can come on top of that. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so going back to the Google uh, revenue, uh, pardon me, the Google Q4 earnings. I mean, Alphabet, of course, Alphabet. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's actually Google. We all know it's Google. Uh, and almost all of that is ads anyway. Uh, but the Google Cloud revenue did jump 45%, as, uh, as we mentioned earlier. And I did notice something interesting in the coverage. And maybe this is just my pet hobby horse. But a whole bunch of the coverage was all like, ah, oh, Google's earnings are juiced by AI. And people even made that reference to you know, voice assistants. They have the OK Google thing. Uh, sorry, I probably triggered a bunch of listeners' devices. Um, <laughs> OK Google, buy some NFTs. <laughs> uh, but um, they were talking about all this AI, and that I was very confused and I went looking for it in the, the actual coverage and I couldn't find it, couldn't find it. Eventually went to the, to the source. I went right to the earnings transcripts and I put the link in the show notes for people to review themselves. It's on page 15. Someone actually asks, hey, all this talk about AI, what's that actually about? And it's basically just a paragraph of waffle. There's nothing there. <laughs> I was going to ask you to explain it because it's like, wait, what, what are we talking about here? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can paraphrase the paragraph, uh, Dominic. Okay, so page 15 of the earnings transcripts, we have Philip Schindler, SVP and CBO. I'm not even sure what that is uh, at Google. Some sort of officer, um, cloud-based officer, who knows. And uh, so they're talking about the insights page in search, uh, which is a better together story fueled by machine learning and automation. So this is when you search for something, it doesn't show you what you actually search for. It shows you what it thinks you wanted to see, which is one of the things that just drives me entirely up the wall. No, I literally entered a string and I would like you to show me pages that match that string and not show me pages that don't match that string. And that's all I want from a search engine. And uh, Google has decided that's not something I can have, which fine, but it's hardly AI. It may involve you know machine learning and neural nets uh, behind the scenes. And then it gets into advertisers, and it's all about the advertising. So it's responsive search ads that will create and select the best-performing creatives, match with more relevant search queries, use broad-match keywords. And, you know, this is all interesting technically, but it's hardly what people think of when they think of AI. They're thinking of, you know, a smarter voice assistant that understands what I actually mean 
instead of uh, playing something completely different. And the, the smart bidding, the, the Google have just been in trouble because they were rigging the smart, smart bidding behind bidding. the scenes. With Facebook, with Facebook, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think on the AI search, I mean, he, here's what we... So so Facebook also released earnings, right? And they got crushed. And, you know, they're, they have a decline in the user base, but they're really blaming advertising and Apple turning them off, right? But... but, <laughs> but, but to, the market reaction shows that they don't believe that. And also, you know, Snapchat published. Snapchat is back in profits again. And, True. you know, they should be facing the same headwinds uh, and they've got a lot less of a war chest to fall back on. And yet they're managing it. How are they doing it? It's because people are actually visiting their sites and spending time on their app and not so much with the blue app. Yeah. And I think the blue app, I mean, in Snap, you go where you want to go. So they know what you like. In, in the blue app, they track you on the web and then try to build a narrative for you of where you've been and what you're doing. Where if you look at Google, I think what people don't realize is, is a search, a search for me and a search for you is going to be very different because our, our filters and, and what we look at in terms of news, in terms of shopping is very different. So no two people's searches are going to be alike. But if you take that data then and you know what I, you want to predict to me on, on search, then you also can do targeted advertising a lot better where Facebook relies on data outside of Facebook to show you what ads, right? The other companies all have first party data where Facebook is relying on Apple's data to help them and Apple turned off the spigot, right? And, and that's and that's where they're where they're crying, right? Where the other companies actually don't rely on it. But it's clear now that Facebook has become a, a public enemy. I, I would say that Facebook and Amazon really have some some problems in terms of how people see them because they don't have a real positive attitude toward them. I, I think Facebook has lost all goodwill. Amazon still has some, but I think Facebook is really kind of public enemy number one, right? Well, come on. If you're if you're Google or Amazon, you're, you're not, everybody, Apple, you're pointing over to Facebook. Don't look at me. Look over there. Those guys are bad. Beat them up. They're, they're the bad they're ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so look over there. Look over there. Over there. Over there. So I'm sure they're enjoying that. But I wonder how TensorFlow has helped uh, Google. We talked about it, the chip shortage that everybody incurred last year. I mean, just going into going into customers. I mean, you know, speaking to them. I mean, hey, you have your AI initiative. You know, you're having a chip shortage. I just wonder if that part of their business really took off. I would imagine it would have. Um, you know, you, yeah, you can't run computers, your right? learning I mean, nets on site. You run it in the cloud. Well, yeah. I mean, do it in the cloud, distributed machine learning, whatever their positioning. And then the second. And here's a data is, point for you. And this is public data. I'm not disclosing anything secret. Uh, MongoDB, we're the only, as far as I know, caveat asterisk, uh, the only multi cloud database. And one of the use cases that people have for spanning multiple clouds is they want to run their primary workload on, say, Amazon or Azure, whichever one. But they want to run TensorFlow, they want to run AI workloads against that data set. And before it was really messy to do that. You had to transfer all the data over, then it was stale data, blah, blah. And what they really like is that they can span their running cluster with their operational live data over into Google Cloud, just stand up one node over there and keep the rest of it in Amazon where they have all of the other apps and integrations. And now they can run those machine learning workloads over the data and generate some insights. That's so the sort go. of thing. 
Yeah. And TensorFlow is a lot more affordable than uh, a GPU, like from NVIDIA, right? Because yep. NVIDIA GPU has more. Even if you can get one, because all the uh, Bitcoin miners <laughs> snap them up. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And then it plus, yeah, and so it, it's more economical. And then my other point I was going to bring up on Google is YouTube. We talk about ad revenue. I mean, Amazon has more ad revenue than, than YouTube. So I wonder if Google's in a bit of a, a predicament here, right, as far as the ad revenue goes. I mean, we talk about web browsers, but... You know, Mike, we've spoken about Discord being the new web browser. Okay, where are you, YouTube? There. We, now we talk about YouTube, right? Our, our kids uh, now, the younger generation, they move moving past YouTube and, and the gaming, right, where Microsoft and Amazon is. So I think Google is, and I'm sure they're on this already, but there, there's going to be some issues there in their ad revenue where everybody seems to be running towards. Um, and then, again, like I said earlier, I TensorFlow, that's a good point, Dominic, and, and thanks. You have a, a real-world example of why I think they probably made out pretty well there, which could be what they need to, to accelerate them on their machine learning and AI front in the enterprise. Yeah, and the YouTube ads load has got just ridiculous. I watch a fair amount of, uh, of YouTube, and you get the pre-roll, maybe two pre-roll ads, and you get mid-roll seemingly every handful of minutes. And if you try to watch like a 20-minute video, you're going to see a good half a dozen ads. At least one of them is probably going to be unskippable. It's become a thoroughly unpleasant experience because they're desperate to get that uh, that inventory there. And in fact, uh, preview, that's going to be my recommendation this week. There's a little Safari extension, and I'm sure there are equivalents for other browsers, but uh, I'm a Safari user, uh, called Vinegar. And it also works on iOS and iPadOS. And what that does is it strips out the YouTube ad player and puts in a default system video player just if you pumped an MP4 file through your browser without all of that nonsense and all of the tracking and all of the, oh, no, you can't picture in picture unless you pay us money. Uh, No, I'm good to picture in picture. Thank you very much. (laughs) And so I highly, highly recommend Vinegar. It costs two bucks in the App Store. Uh, Best purchase I ever made. You know, and to be honest, a lot of people are going with uh, YouTube Premium for that very reason because of the ad load. But I mean, look, it's it's YouTube has become the new broadcast antenna just on demand. I, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, people truncate shows and put it on uh, sports. You know, you don't need to listen to an entire broadcast. You can, you know, just follow your team, watch highlights. It's 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 totally different. I, I think YouTube has really redefined a bit the. The, the viewing culture, right? In, in the same way that Netflix has. I, I, they don't get enough credit, right? Because everybody uh, criticizes them for propaganda and like going down the, the dark rabbit hole, but they'll, they'll figure that out. I, yeah, I, I, still, I, I still think YouTube, the, the biggest challenge YouTube has is being part of, of Google. That's, yeah, the, the, their, their biggest challenge. How do you think it's a challenge for them though? And they seem uh, to run as kind of an independent unit within Google. They do, but do you think they'd make that much in ad revenue if they weren't part of the bigger ship? Do you think they could, you know, they're they're using that data to present you ads, right? So, so like without Google, Google misses something and YouTube misses something. So it's like almost this like marriage of convenience, but it totally makes sense on its own to spin out because it would still be one of the like giant companies in in our industries, right? So do you do you realize what you're saying? This is this is bad. If any congressman's listening, a congressional uh, congresswoman or anybody, this is yeah. this is bad. You yeah, realize but what I, you're saying, Mike. I just want but, to make sure. But I mean, it's the it's the power of big data, right? And and they have the power of of big data. So it's like, yeah, you you know, you you spin them out. Of course, it's it's not going to work as as nice. And then, you know, you, you know, I, I I think what's clear is search is still a big business. 
Like, oh, absolutely. If, if you oh, read yeah, Google, yeah. like yeah. search is still a big business. I, you know, is does Google really have like? Do you think nobody can compete with them on search? If I were to say like like Facebook going after Meta, Facebook should be going after search. Apple should be going after search. You know, Microsoft Microsoft tried and failed, but you know, Apple. I search on it. it Google pays $10 billion for that search functionality to Apple. That means that Google gets first-party data. Meta does not get first-party data. So, you know, everybody could be screaming about Apple, but the others are paying to play, and Facebook doesn't. Facebook is is a bit arrogant in this in this area. Yeah, the I mean, it's a big investment to build up a search engine in Microsoft. Microsoft failed. Bing is a joke. And- <laughs> I mean, it is. It's a punchline. I don't mean anything about its technical capabilities. I mean, it's search engines are only as good as the user volume that you can pump through them if you're trying to do that social recommendation thing. Or you can opt out of that entirely and you can do like my preferred search engine, which is DuckDuckGo, which doesn't do any of that and is mostly far better for it. It falls down a bit in fairness on news because that's one place where the user volume does give you a signal. Uh, but for straight up search, uh, it's to my to my in my experience, it's the the equivalent of the Google experience. So think about this. I mean, again, everybody's pointing to Facebook. What you just mentioned about Google, Mike. I mean, it should be on everybody's uh, you know front and center for a lot of people. But we're all pointing at, at Facebook or Meta, um, and then data. How important is this? Right, this new wars are not going to be fought with uh, old machinery. So this is uh, this is important for a lot of reasons too. Critical, especially Azure in Europe. I think that's going to become more critical. But you know, let's transition. We're talking about AI. I mean, how about the news around AI and uh, you know uh, Lemonade, uh, which is an insurance company, uh, uh, I guess next gen insurance company. And they're facing a class action lawsuit for use of biometric data. I mean, what do we think about that? The use of your your face and your pictures and and things like that that you provide. I mean, I think Lemonade got scammed. <laughs> I know uh, the this sort of um, uh, what's it called the, uh, uh, the the FBI the truth analysis thing. It's been comprehensively disproved over and over again. The idea that you can find any patterns in people's images to detect fraud is, you know, it's snake oil. You can just flip a coin and get equivalent results. So someone scammed Lemonade, got to to build out some tech, and now Lemonade gets left holding the bag uh, with the the investigation. Uh, That's... uh, so, so spicy, spicy meatball. <laughs> it, 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 well, hold on. It sounds to yeah, me like, like if, I'm from the Italian. I can't let that go. Both you, both the Italians, are spicy, spicy. Not one, but two spice, spicy, spicy meatball. Right, I like it. I, I'm into this. Oh, uh, hold on. If if I let, let me get the lemonade stuff straight, right? So so they're oh, getting. Yeah, we're gonna su- get on the spicy meatballs. No, 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 no. I have, I have nothing to do with spicy meatballs. I don't know who eats spicy meatballs. Like you know, like it's it's simple. Like get, don't don't mess up meatballs. Like don't don't. Don't don't change them. So, so okay. Lemonade. Basically, oh, when you come to me in Milan, I'll take you to this uh, restaurant in front of my wife's office. Literally, the entire menu is meatballs. <laughs> That's all wrong. All wrong. Uh, <laughs> no, but Lemonade just took public data, right? They didn't take data from your phone or anything like that. They just took public data. So they they basically built, um, you know, uh, public data from Facebook, Twitter, whoever, and sees your habits 
And if you get into a car accident, then you're tweeting two days later when you're supposed to be like hurt and all this, then they're going to use it against you. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see, to be honest, a, a problem with it, but it is the power of big data sets, right? I mean, how many AI companies are now offering to put your data with other public data, right? Whether it's weather data, Twitter data, whatever it is, news data, like there's a lot of companies willing to aggregate your data with other data, right? I think Snowflake does it, a bunch of others do it, right? So, you know, that's all for AI ingestion, isn't it? Uh, No, I think they were actually claiming that they were analyzing facial biometric data. So they were looking at customers during the, the application, no, but during the application process. Oh, no, not that they were finding videos of you texting in your car right before the crash, but that they were oh. detecting that you're lying when you claimed, I have no pre-existing conditions. I never drive drunk. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And taking that data and then applying it and finding stuff online or social feeds or whatever saying, hey, look, you know, you, you, know, you do but, eat spicy meatballs. You lied to us. We have a picture. <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 uh. Th- those are like the companies that offer to reduce your rate if you plug in your car to like those uh, those sensors and then they'll track your driving if you're braking hard, if you're doing this, and then they'll reduce your rate so people drive nice for three months and then all hell breaks loose after their rates are reduced. I mean, I looked into yeah. that when that launched here and I worked out that I wouldn't actually save any money even if I did. Uh, hit all their, their metrics and if I you know broke the speed limit once I would be in, in the red is <laughs> that like, why would I do this exactly so so you know Tesla's so Tesla has like um uh their full self-driving like you could end up on the beta software but what they do to get on the beta software is you have to have like a a high driving score of 90 and over that's the one that uh, rolls through stoplights (laughs) yes (laughs) yes which you know people complain like oh tesla rolls through stoplights you know i roll through stoplights so yes i if you're going to design ai right don't make it follow the rules make it do what a human would do but anyway that that's a discussion for another day you know but to be in all in all seriousness i mean you know, they're they're tracking driver behavior and, you know, you need to get a good score to do this. But then, like, what's the fun of self-driving? I, 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 have, I have trouble with it. But, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Hey, to unlock this, we want to make sure you're a good driver. I mean, people were doing stupid things with autopilot, you know, going, a, you know, one car, keeping one car length at 100 miles an hour. I mean, eh, it's a little risky. So, yeah, maybe we don't want those people piling our software. I, I think these nuances will change as we get go through time and it'll become less and less um, of a big deal because there's no such thing as privacy anymore. Let's face it. Exactly <laughs> right. No, it's, it's, he's right. I mean, it's, you can try to hide from it. I uh, mean, but I here's the thing. that a few years ago, but you can't. I mean, your data is your data. I mean, within reason. Now, we still have to regulate it. It'll be a big, big problem. But within reason, it's, yeah, don't hide yeah, from I'm not- it. As tempting as it sometimes is to move to shack in the woods, that's not what I'm suggesting. Uh, my objection is that for all of this tracking, I still get terrible matches. I still get ads for stuff I not only have no interest in, which uh, the, the AI has not been able to evince from patterns and behavior, but which I've said publicly and repeatedly in easily analyzable text I have no interest in. I keep seeing ads for cryptocurrencies, and I have a whole bunch of tweets out there of me complaining about cryptocurrencies and hating on them. I, it's like, that's an easy match. I I might be your problem, Dominic. So <laughs> you're in my social graph. Oh no, there's an edge right there. Exactly. It's it's like audience. No, but but it's true, right? It's like audiences, right? So if people that you um, 
talk to, you socialize with are doing that, you're going to see that. So right, right, right. Okay. So that's one example, but I cannot think of one product I bought from an ad that I've been presented to through these smart bidding platforms. I buy stuff from ads in printed magazines all the time, and they've been able to very efficiently target me with precisely one bit of information. This guy bought this magazine. Therefore, he may like products like ours. Absolutely, I do. I bought your socks. I bought your sunglasses. Actually, I'm trying to buy some sunglasses right now and failing because a French company doesn't know how to run a website, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) (laughs) You you started with a French company. That's... (laughs) I apologize to the nation of France. You probably... You should tweet out to Luxottica and ask them why they haven't bought that company yet. That's probably... They would absolutely (laughs) fix it. They would fix it. they would fix it. And then it would go with all of my other sunglasses, which are made by Luxottica. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) There you go. What's our big takeaway then from the cloud? There's a lot of of earnings this week. What is everybody's big takeaway? I mean, let's sum it up. We're still in the early days. There's more to come. Yeah. No slowing down. No, absolutely no slowing down. Data is going to continue to grow. Uh, AI is the angle. But, you know, one thing we didn't talk about is a lot of people are, what they think, you know, the... The AI context, I think some companies believe they're doing AI and they're not. And I think we need to redefine AI, right? Because yes. like TensorFlow, this is not on a lot of companies like um, radar. And and maybe it should be, right? But I, I think there's a big marketing gimmick. No offense yeah. to the marketing guys on the call. But there's a big marketing gimmick around AI and some companies are not, um, yeah. No, I agree. There's a definition problem. A whole bunch of stuff that's in tech search engines right now, uh, like Lucene you could squint at and call it AI. And it would have been in AI research papers uh, not that long ago. But these days we don't consider text search as AI. So yeah, there's a definitional issue. But uh, I think the key point is, yeah, as you said, you know, more and more stuff is going to move to the cloud. And pe- once in the cloud, people will find more and more ways to uh, to use the data and take advantage of it. Yeah, I think my big takeaway is, and I don't think this is a big secret, but it's what's driving the cloud. It's no longer just typical IT. It's it's truly driving business now. It's I think it's business decision makers going there, and it's um, the use cases are not just for compute anymore as the early days, right? So I think the cloud companies have evolved to your point, Mike, and you too, Dominic, with TensorFlow and AI and everything. And that's probably filling a lot of Google's growth. And just I just I think it's just which means it's even more. I think the TAM total adjustable market is even bigger than we thought, right? Because originally everybody thought, oh, compute, we'll put our compute in there, we'll put our other stuff in there, and that's fine. Job done. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. And I'll, I'll tell you, number one, I have met some business people who understand and know how to use cloud at its in, in a native way better than people in IT. And I think this is probably one of the biggest changes that will continue to happen. Mm, yes. And that, and that you know, I don't think it, it should scare people. But I think it means that IT is like, yeah, not ready. I mean, that's that's the growth. You know, that's show me who's making statement. those. Per- show me who's making those purchases, and I'll, I, I, you know, it's not driven by IT. It's driven. The business is pushing IT there. I think in a lot of in a lot of organizations. And that's a big change. Just going back to what we we're saying about the the new kingmakers dynamic. It's changing a lot. It's uh, not driven by IT. It's not driven by engineering or not by them alone. It's driven by line of business people. Yep. So going forward in the next couple episodes, we're going to kind of dive. We're going to dive into those numbers, in right, guys? We're going to dissect, dissect a little bit of this growth. That's what it sounds like. So that, that'll be exactly. That's the plan. So stand by for the rest of uh, February. February is Cloud Month. We got some interesting guests. We got some interesting topics uh, lined up. 
And so we will talk to you next week with the first of those guests. Uh, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Mike. Uh, my recommendation is already in there. And so in the meantime, you can follow the show on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number four on our LinkedIn page. Theme music is by my good friend Renato Podesta. And if you do have uh, suggestions for topics and or guests uh, beyond February, once we move on to the next topic, uh, please do send them our way. Thanks and talk to you then. Thank you, everybody.